Yeah, you. Put the headphones in and crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, Terry Allen. We're a couple of trans survivors, rocking the airways, bringing you our lived experiences, opinions, and a ton of info about being transgender. This is episode 43, and today we're talking to Desti about her transition and detransition because of societal and religious pressures. Desti now lives as her authentic self, and her story is gut-wrenching. The things she went through, and then the big bomb, surgery complications. I was holding back the tears in this one. Let's get started. Happening are, yes. Look at that. Three smiling faces all there. <laughs> Just wonderful. See? Uh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so, good morning, everyone. We are Trans Talk Raw live on Facebook. And uh, today we're, and also we're on Anchor Podcast, uh, you know. Um, so, you can check us on any of those kind of platforms. Obviously, I'm with the uh, my lovely co host, Terry Allen. Um, the Southern Hello, Belt. y'all. Um, How know, are y'all hello, doing? Hello, hello, And we have a wonderful guest today. Uh, we'd like to introduce Desti. Uh, she is... Hi. Uh, hi, hi. Um, a very interesting individual, a lovely lady um, who has uh, obviously transitioned. Quite a, quite a story to tell. Yeah, detransitioned and then transitioned again. So very interesting. It's a follow-up. So this is part two from what we... Uh, had last week, uh, last Saturday, in regards to our detransitioning show and that, and we had discussed a lot of stuff. And of course, uh, Dusty came in and made a couple of comments, and we had to have her on the show right away. Of course, not only so we, because we of her, her detrans- in, so yeah, right, not just because of her detransitioning, but because she's such a lovely lady, such well, a I wonderful mean, person. Gosh, to, oh, thank to you. know her, you know, uh, so, in a support yeah, group so. that I run down here, Southern Transgender Alliance, of which she is a member. Mm-hmm. Even though where she is is not southern per se, we include uh, all kinds of people everywhere in the world. So yeah, and thank it's, you so much for being a member and agreeing to be on our show, Dusty. Of course. Yeah, and it's so nice too because as you realize, uh, uh, Dusty, uh, you and I are the only ones that are like so far away from Alabama, <laughs> and then we're part of a group that's <laughs> supposed to be specific too. So you know, kind of. So uh, kind of, know. sort of, maybe. Yeah, kind of, sort of, maybe. It's always nice. I mean, you're to be able you're, to have you're south of the North Pole, uh, Nikki. So you know. Very so. good point, right? <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's really important. That's, that's right. That's Southern really Transgender important. Alliance. Anything south of the North Pole. Qualified. Yeah, I think that works. I think that works. Pretty okay. much captures good. You should the put that right in the description on the site. <laughs> that way, we've got it all covered. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So I mean, obviously. Uh, our very first question that we always ask every guest that comes on the show, oh. how did you come up with your name? Yes, the name. It's very important. With my name. Your name. Yes. How, did how did you, you come, come up, up with, with your, your name? name? What destiny? Oh, let's see. So, hmm. <laughs> was it your destiny to be destiny? Yeah, it kind of, you know, it kind of was, um, actually, um, I, you know, I guess, you know, I guess this goes back a long time, but I guess I was kind of playing around with my kind of old name and seeing what I could do with it and seeing 
and kind of like looking at my choices and I kind of came up with destiny and then other people were able to use that and so we're kind of stuck at that point so it was your destiny stuck yeah it was my destiny now you go by Desti, right? Not yeah, Dusty, which is Desti, an interesting name. D-E-S-T-Y. Yep. Well, as a nickname, but yes, Destiny. Okay. Cool. What, do you, what would you want us to call you? Either one. Okay. Either one? Okay. Well, that's Either good one. to know. Okay. Um, yeah, because then we start ta- calling you just about everything, right? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, have, we have to watch that. <laughs> Like hey you, we, you know, we, and I mean we you know try to use your name. Yes, we, want we to do use try to use your name. We know how important names are, so I think it's crucial. Yeah. It is. I think crucial. it's totally crucial. So, anyway, so why don't you start off with your story and start? You know, we're gonna pop in and ask some questions, but obviously, mm-hmm. you know, starting off with your story and giving us a, okay. you know, kind of uh, right from the get go when you started to first feel things were a little bit maybe out yeah. of sorts and yeah. out of joint and you know go from there the floor is yours and okay so <laughs> oh, that's kind of scary <laughs> no, it's, not. it's okay it's just us three and it's just us three don't worry whatever. about it yeah just we're just rambling it. so uh, let's see so i mean so you know, I guess I would, you know, I guess, I guess I did have a sense all along when I was younger, um, that things were off and different, um, and it was, you know, you know, you know this is a thing, it, um, it wasn't, it wasn't so terrible when I was a kid. I mean, at least at that point, my mom and dad didn't like, you know, really kind of like push like um, strict walls or anything at that time. So like, so like if I was off, like, you know, listening to Rainbow Bright, or if I had like doll babies, then that wasn't like punished or anything. Um, so it wasn't a big deal to them. They didn't mind that you played with girl toys. No, that 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 was like not that you know that that wasn't an issue. You know, and I have you know I have these you know pictures of me um, holding doll babies and playing with stuffed animals and um, playing with my mom's like curls and you know, and I I look pretty happy. And how old were you at that time? Uh, four, five, six. So early, you you had a sense of being female mm-hmm. early. Definitely, yeah, definitely being different, and you know, that, then then you know, I, you know, it was just kind of this thing where, well, like certain behaviors, like. When, like, you know, like, I was, like, five or six or whatever, like, it wasn't really shunned. But then, like, as I got older, there's kind of this expectation that I would grow out of it. And I, I didn't really, that didn't really happen. 
know, a phase. It's just a phase. <laughs> yes. And, heard, and, that, heard that many times growing uh-huh. up. Oh, it's just a phase. It's a normal. Yeah. And then it wasn't, and then you know, and then and then it was like an increasing, like level of like um, of like social ostracization, like um, you know, my my mom and I don't always agree on everything, but like one thing that like we we agree on that 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 happened was in kindergarten, um, the cicadas came, and. The um, the boys at my school were like being like mean and like ripping off like the wings of the insects and putting them in like lunch pails and teasing girls with them. And my mom and I both remember me coming home one day and saying, and saying, "Mom, why are boys so mean to us?" <laughs> and she remembers like what and you know you know but like but like you know back back then back then you know it it was just more something that like my mom would just be like you know well okay whatever with and she she didn't ask you didn't like kind of go into it with you or or tell you well you're not one of the girls he just thought that i she just thought that I hung out with her and my grandma a lot, which was true, and that, and, and just that I was really sensitive, which which also was and is true, and you know even you know and even in school, you know in like kindergarten and first grade, it was all kind of more like hmm you know, okay. And then like, like by the time I finished at that school, socially, it was a huge deal. And I was getting beat up all the time. And they all thought I was gay and tormented me of what. And I actually um, went to a different school after fifth grade because I was getting beat up so much. What year was that? Hmm. What were years were you in school, basically? Okay, so so I was born in 1981. Um, I went to an elementary school called Grace Lutheran um, from 1986 to 1992. And um, you know, the only other thing remarkable from that was I um, I had surgery in 1988 when I was seven because I couldn't pee the right way, which, you know, I think at the time nobody really thought much about that, but I... Do you were, were, were sitting to, to urinate or... Yeah, I always sat. Stand? Yeah. I, I, I always sat. That, that is true. And I... Um, you know, when I when I was little, I, I had a um, condition that, which is kind of the foreskin that you know it, it, it's it's actually relatively common, and it's not really always a big deal, and it's like easily treated. But what was going on for the the, the relevance here is what was going on for me when I was seven is I just like 
wasn't like mentally like registering like that part of my body. Mm. I, don't, I don't know if that makes any sense. It was like I like wasn't like mentally registering it, and I wasn't cleaning it or taking care of it. And so then it got infected, and then it became an, a medical issue. Oh wow! And then I had to get surgery, and so that was in a way kind of brought on by the fact that I kind of wasn't able to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So, so it caused you a lot of mental stress, even at that time. Even at that time, physical physical dysphoria you know, and physical, physical dysphoria. dysphoria. And I mean, then um, you know, then then I you know then I remember you know another very clear memory that I have is um, in. I think it was like November of 1989, The Little Mermaid appeared and my dad took me to see it. And like, like always, like, like, like from that point on for like the rest of like elementary school, that was my favorite movie and story. So. Ariel, did you ever dress yes. up as Ariel? Like for Halloween or anything? I'll try to. But I mean, I identified with Ariel. Right. Yeah, I've I've read of others like uh, that are like, like that. Yeah. 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 For and sure. That, that time period. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know that's like for other people too. So it's you know kind of feels like you know well me too. But you know well there it is because it's it's actually true. So you know I mean it, it it was just like it, it was just like this growing like social pressure and. Um, You know, by by the time I was like in middle school, that's kind of like when there was like a lot of friction with it. And at this point, you know, with adolescence and like really like learning about the human body and sexuality and, and these things, um, you know, and then so and then socially the social components, and then. Um, And also, you know, I, I was there any discussion about trans people or intersex? No, no, my um, no, I went to I went to Lutheran Elementary oh, School. Well, yeah. Of course, there wouldn't be any discussion. No. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to. Then I kept getting beat, getting beat up. So I went. <laughs> no, it's okay. So then I went to a Baptist school for a year for sixth grade, and um. Were that, your parents real religious? Did they put you in religious school, or were those just considered the best school schools? Other so, than so my mom was fairly religious, um, and I mean, my dad, my dad is, but my my parents also divorced when I was little, and you know, and so I think there was a lot of. Um, at least at a certain point, a lot of blame on my dad for the situation and um, attributing things kind of to to him on that. 
kind of like, you know, kind of like in a, you know, in a sense of like if we had been close or if, um, Oh, the whole male bonding thing. Yeah. yeah the whole male bonding thing. Like, like, Lack of so. a father and uh, clinging yeah, to your mother. Uh-huh. And blah, 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 blah. That whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a factor, but I mean, so there was that and just kind of, just kind of, you know, middle school, like, like, like before, like before, you know, like, like, like sixth grade, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, things showed up, you know, there was a surgery, there were, there were signs, but you know, when I, you know, when I, when I look back on that time period, I'm not going to complain I mean, I was mostly happy. I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so much to complain about. I don't want to complain about. <laughs> I don't want to complain about something unless I have to. When did when did you come to accept yourself that you were a female, a woman, a girl, whatever oh, you like to use? What what period of time did you did it become clear to you? Not until later, because I mean, I, I mean, in mid, I mean, in middle school, it, it it was definitely an issue, and what you know, the the I I was trying to figure it out in middle school, and at this at this time, at this time, I was experiencing testosterone inside of my body, and I didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And though, you know, the one, you know, fi- finally I was trying to figure it out in, um, in, in eighth grade and there was, there was one person I knew who, um, who I believe what was, was experiencing this, um, the, the other direction, female to male and saying, you know, and saying, I think I'm a boy. And that kind of got me thinking, well, wait a minute, maybe the reverse is true for me. Hmm. What age, what age was that? Um, let's see. So eighth grade, 1994, 1995, like 13. Um, yeah. With that. And, um, and at that point, I was, you know, I, I was a teenager, and I, I was, I was trying to, like, you know, really um, push the envelope and push boundaries to kind of see what I could get away with. Like, um, like, can I grow my hair out long? Can I get my, can I get my ears pierced? You know, um, what, what, what can I get away with here? And it, it didn't go over so well at the church I was attending. Mm-hmm. And I was I was all angry at the time and kind of going for like this like late eighties like angry as like glam look and um I had all this heavy metal music and they were freaked out and thought Satan was taking over and <laughs> that's, that's typical though. Rock and roll, long hair, that whole bit, right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And so they put a lot of pressure on my on my mom about it and the the kind of fix the situation. And I um I, I I did go and see a um 
a counselor in, in middle school, seventh and eighth grade. And uh, it, the guy, of course, was a biblical counselor and associated with one of the churches we had gone to. Of course, yes. Yeah, so. And I had tried. You know, I, I, I didn't have language back then to say something like trans or, or, or really, you know, or, or some of the more typical language, but I was kind of like trying to explain things. Mm-hmm. That and, was right before the Internet. Like 95 yeah. was the Internet. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, years before then. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a lot of resources at my disposal. I was kind of trying to. And. I kind of explained some of my feelings to this guy and he was like, and, and all he heard in it was that I was developing in a gay way. And, um, I, I'm not sure he even knew what trans is, but he just kind of saw it as, as, as a gay thing. And, thought the problem was that I wasn't spending enough time with my dad and told my mom that 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 she was a bad mom and that she was a bad parent by spending too much time with me and not having me spend more time with my dad and really kind of did a good job of making her feel bad mm-hmm. and um so, you know, my mom wasn't really going to, like, send me permanently to go live with her ex after everything that happened in their relationship and the way that I turned out. But she kind of internalized that criticism and was like, what she heard out of it was, oh, I need to put my son in a more masculine environment. So the way, the way that the issue got resolved then was I ended up at a Catholic boys school oh, for really? high school. Oh, boarding school. Do you go like to boarding, a boarding school? school? Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a boarding school, but it, it was an all boy. It was, it was an all boy Catholic school. And the the main the main focus on it was to man see who up. they to man you up and to see and to see who was good material to be a priest and of course yes and oh and God. and all that and extremely heavy you know religious focus during that time period and um so I I went through that for high school. And I, um, you know, that, you know, to make, to make a long story short, cause that would be, that would be a, a discussion for a much longer time period. Um, the Catholic school did not turn out well, and that's an understatement and it did not fix me. And it never does. And I just got I just I just got through the Catholic school experience and I was more traumatized and angry and goth and it just it basically just had the effect of of kind of pissing me off and um making me kind of angry to be honest. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You weren't you weren't listened to. Yeah. No. So they just turned you on to religion and that you yeah. know you could just play so, it away. So yeah, I'm curious. Um, obviously, uh, you haven't mentioned it, so I doubt that it'll occur to happen. But obviously, when you get into a religious sort of situations and that, um, conversion theory potentially could come up. Was there any talk about that, or did anybody try to talk to you about? Something? Oh, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Catholic school. It, it, that's you know. Yeah, and that's why I was asking because I know most individuals that are going through the same process that you do, mm-hmm. especially in a religious scenario or situation with Catholic schools. And as soon as you said Baptist, that, you know, I mean, that's the big red flag, that one there, because obviously they're going to try to do everything that they possibly can to get you to shift in what yeah. way yeah. they. Even, evangelicals as well. It's yeah. Not just a Catholic yeah. domain, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, carry on then. I'm, I'm waiting to hear this because the one reason why I'm asking this is I went through it, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and so I um, want yeah. and you know, how, what it was like for you, because it was a horror story for me. No, no, absolutely. Well, well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it like, you know, the, the one time in my life that, I, that I like started to like really come out was in middle school at a public school and then I ended up at the Catholic school and they had a dress code. It was all boys. It was a very tough environment. Um, and honestly, I, you know, the, you know, this is kind of maybe more survival than anything else, but there was such an emphasis on sports and, masculinity and all this stuff that like the only kind of like way to get away from any of that was through like hanging out with the priests and the uh, more religious liturgical side of it kind of like the hide I guess and those those problems in that as well and that came out of that but you know, those, those, you know, those, those four years, what I can look back and say is I wasn't having fun. I wasn't enjoying the best years of my life. I wasn't planning a career. I wasn't really learning anything. I was just kind of like hiding and trying to survive this um, environment. And just, you know, I just, you know, I followed their rules, but I just, I wore all black and listened to a lot of angry goth music and mm-hmm. got through high school. And then I went off to an evangelical Bible college. Oh, wow. Did, Holy you a, did you have you a choice got, in that? I, know I had no choice. No Holy. choice. It was no choice. God bless America. No kidding. It was no choice. It was no choice. Absolutely no choice. I, so I went to the evangelical Bible college and, um, started off in the fall of 1999 and you know here I am you know 18 in theory more freedom living on my own in a different town and right about the spring of 2000 the issue came back and um then the next couple of years with the college it, it was a clash because I was dressing and presenting as female at the school and they thought it was a gay thing. And they had me in counseling 
with one of their, their own councils on campus. And that's kind of where we get into the conversion therapy and the reparative therapy and um, kind of like trying to like recondition behavior, if that makes any sense to so like... Um, Did they try aversion therapy on you? Yeah, like, like, like trying to like, re, like rewarding... Ma- like rewarding masculine behavior and like punishing feminine behavior and also a, a huge degree of like religious services, healing services, um, exorcisms, mm-hmm. you know, Jeez. all of that, been there and tried that. Uh-huh. Mm, God. Yeah. Like... <laughs> So did they, so I'm just wondering, so obviously well, a lot of it was just what uh, the continuous pounding of their belief structure into you and trying to just get you, trying to brainwash you basically, like did you have to go undergo numerous hours of this kind of stuff that, and, and that in order to get you to try to change your ways? Was that kind of... Yeah. Yeah, because... Did they do anything other than that? I mean, obviously they were trying to do, you know, and just to get let people understand and know what conversion therapy actually is. Well, at one point I got sent off to a non-optional um, retreat, or I don't know the right word for it. Non, it um, non-optional. Non-optional, that's it. Yeah. Instead okay. of calling it mandatory and you have no... Mandatory retreat. Yeah. And we're okay. going to kidnap yeah. you to take you here. Yeah. Well, basically, it was a group of um, it was a group of college kids um, in that geographical area that um, had um, some kind of shared um, struggle or situation, and they had us had us out there, and they um, were like trying to like correct the, the behavior to the point of like um, sleep deprivation um, and food deprivation, those kinds of things, kind of like you will kind of like... Torture. So they torture. Yeah, it is torture. There's no question. Adjust until you can behave and conform. Like, um, so... Really care that much about fixing you as long as you meet social norms, as long as you act the part, you know. Right. Yeah. So did you, did, was there other, so, I mean, obviously you went to this location. Was there other individuals like you that were suffering through the same things you were with the dysphoria and that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Or were they all brought together with other issues or was it based, you know what I mean? Just, yeah. Where's the BTQ? Yeah. Was it all LGBTQ? The full, the full umbrella pretty much of of LGBTQ. I mean, any, anybody who like wasn't like really conforming, I guess, to, the demands of like local um evangelical colleges um like i mean i i I made friends with a lesbian couple who had gotten sent there because they went on a on a day to red lobster and got caught so they had to go to this i see how long was the process that you had to go through well the horrible the horrible retreat thing I think it was just like one weekend thing back in 2000. Um, you know, the, the worst part of that, the worst part of it was that I, I remember talking to one of the people kind of orchestrating the thing. This was near the end of 2000 and 
he told me to, he told me when I got back to my college, he said to go and watch the movie Boys Don't Cry. And he didn't tell me anything about it. And then he told me that to pay attention to the ending and that that's how I was going to end up if I didn't repent and straighten myself out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't have any clue what the movie was. So I like went back, I went back to college and I went off and rented the thing and went back to my dorm room and watched it. And I was like, Oh my God, like, what the heck? So yeah, not exactly positive enforcement. No. Was it? Like, I was like, okay, then. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious, uh, you went through high school and everything else, and obviously, so what was your dysphoria like going through high school and then getting in through the Bible college and that sort of thing? Um, what was your dysphoria like? Obviously, you said that you were starting to present female and that. Was that the only time that you had to deal with that? And like, kind of explain how you handled that and so to give you some sort of relief, or did you have to really, you know, um, put it just back in the the back and try to deal with it, or how did, how did you do that? Well, I think okay. Well, like well, like one thing is that um, one thing that I that that is true is that I um, at a at a at a very young age, maybe fourth grade, I want to say, I. Um, I discovered some of my mom's old undergarments that she had discarded that would be used for dusting purposes and had figured out how to wear them underneath of my clothes. And that actually consistently was going on from maybe fourth grade through high school. Mm. But it was just something that, like, I didn't tell anybody about because I was like more comfortable that way obviously yeah and then I no win-win in that I just kind of dissociated I think from a lot of things and and kind of like you know like you know like you know bargained I guess to see what what I you know what was going to be acceptable um in each environment I had, the the Catholic high school was kind of the worst because they kind of really drilled it in. The Bible college, they didn't have the same kind of strict dress code and, as a Catholic school did. Um, so in a way that was better, but then they... You know, it, it was really weird. They they didn't have a, a direct dress code at first, and they just stipulated that they expected modesty and for people to choose um, appearances that that were um, in line with the um, community standards, some kind of vague language. And you know, I remember thinking, you know, well, I mean. I mean, you know, it doesn't really specify certain things. So, like, early on, I was like, you know, well, what happens if I wear a long flowing skirt? Because that's really not immodest and (laughs) that's really not offensive. And 
you know, at, at, at first, people were clearly offended by that and took issue with it. And I'm like, but I'm not breaking any of your rules. And um, they kind of, you know, went, went away with that and came back a short time later, you know, and, and, and sure enough, you know, their, their community handbook stated that the students were not allowed to practice homosexuality. And they tried to say that I was breaking the gay rule. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay, even, even if we are talking about a, a, a guy wearing a skirt, how is that breaking the, the no gay rule? Because I mean, that, that doesn't even make sense. Right. Yeah. And, and so you were presenting um, in the Bible college. How long, like, were you able to continue to present while you went through your Bible college? Like, did you finish all of your schooling at your Bible did, college? And were you able to yeah. present through that time frame? Well, I did, but I, I presented. I presented mainly throughout two thousand and two thousand and one, because eventually they um, sent me off to counseling and then the reparative therapy program, and had me read all this um, stuff about um, biblical gender roles. And once again, the consensus was that it was my dad's fault, and that. It was a disruption in my relationship with my dad. And, you know, to be, um, you know, I, I, I struggled with it and I wrestled with it. But, you know, to be completely, you know, honest and, and transparent, the whole time I was in college at this point, I, I was heavily into the religious stuff myself. So that's basically what I thought it was, what they were saying. So we were kind of like going like down the like, you know, list of like, you know, well, okay, you know, how, how do we fix this? You know, what, you know, do, is it, is it from demons? Do we try an exorcism? Is it from, um, you know, is it something that you can get taken care of at a, at a healing service? Is it a reconditioning issue? Is it reparative in nature? Is it counseling? Is it my dad's fault? Is it um, that I just haven't tried um, being in a straight marriage? Yeah, you didn't try hard enough. And we were going down the list, and I experienced a lot of internalized shame, and I blamed myself for my own shame scripts, and... I, you know, so, so I mean, you know, at, at this, at this time period, I wouldn't have formulated anything in, in the sense of, okay, this is what it is. Cause at, at that point, at that point, I just thought I was wrong or defective or evil or some combination of the above, right? You know, so I was like, well, you know, the, 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 there, was, there was so much brainwashing and indoctrination going on that it got to the point where they didn't need to anymore because it was something I would do to myself. Mm. Okay. Did, you, did yeah. you do any searches online on the internet? Um, you know, not as much as you might think. They... Um, the um, Evangelical Bible College, they had their internet system set up um, that search results would have been filtered anyways. 
Mm. And um, it was censored internet, so. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, basically, they shut off all of the ability for you to be able to have resources to find out more information about who you could might be. And then that still blocked everything so that you just continued to think the way you would think kind of thing. Yeah. Right, so if you... Real, you didn't have any real information. All you right. had was so it was all fake information. Yeah, so it was all basically false and fake kind of thing, and and that. So you went through the Bible college and all of that, and you say that you were presenting and everything. Would you say that you were basically, you know, presenting kind of full female, just being true to yourself, and that's the way you wanted to be, um, and you continued to do that? You obviously had this internal uh, battle going on on a regular basis. Was it so? Once you finally came out of your the Bible college, and I guess you finished and graduated um, through that. When did you start to then? If and you're still presenting, kind of, I guess, um, when you got to that point, would that be accurate? Um, throughout maybe most of it, but towards the end, they um, from like a behavioral. There was there was a a really consorted effort to like really stuff it back inside the box. And at a certain point, I did what I could to externally conform to their expectations. And that meant that, that, that also meant getting married. Um, when I was fairly young, uh, one of the things that the biblical counselor had had convinced me of was that was that my feelings and my experiences would go away when I got married and began experiencing married life, so to speak. Right. Oh yeah, that works. Oh yeah, and that works really well, doesn't it? Yeah, like Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, we've all gone through that. <laughs> so, so you went through the Bible college. You started, and then so did you get married at that point in time? Did you follow that process? Is what they had dated? Right. So it, you know, it was an issue in two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand and two. We really kind of worked to kill it, or would it make the problem go away? And I started dating. Um, my would-be wife and we got engaged and I finished Bible school in 2003 and then Nicole and I got married in 2004 and you know still 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 at that at this point in time I was still thinking okay you know I was still thinking in the back of my mind you know, kind of, you know, I'm faking it until I make it with this sky thing. And I'm like, you know, well, okay, maybe the right. And then the, the force year of marriage was, was really difficult and it was really stressful. And I mean, you know, that there's, there's a longer story there too, but you know, I, I, I really want to be on record as saying that the whole thing was extremely unfair to me, but it was also extremely unfair to Nicole. Right. And what what that place did to me mm-hmm. was pretty horrible. And what they did to Nicole was was fairly horrible as well. And I think it really sucks that you know, and they'll you know, kind of um pushed, you know, to make um 
to force conformity and, and, and community guidelines and settings and to make people conform to, to their way of seeing it, that they would also put Nicole in, in, that, in, in this kind of situation and set her up as well. Right. Which, which, so, which so is, did you kind of have a forced marriage? Well, well, no, it wasn't forced, but I mean, it wasn't forced, but it, it was, it was, it was a setup. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a setup for both of us. I mean, Nicole and I eventually worked some of this out in, in marital counseling, and you know, at that point, even the therapist we had, you know, talking to both of us, and it was like, you know, kind of with compassion, you know, it was like, you were both really set up for it to not work. Mm-hmm. It, was it was it a was the counselor that you saw in the marriage therapy? Um, was that all, also a religious counselor, or was that a, a now starting to go to an external counselor from the religious base? Well, that's 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 actually jumping way ahead until uh, you know a year before Nicole and I divorced, and that that was at a um, that was at a normal um, counseling clinic. Right. Okay. Not and not religious not not religious not based religious based okay yeah and yeah yeah because obviously i mean the counselor that you were going uh to um during the first part of the marriage counseling so that was basically kind of religious based even and they were the ones that brought up the fact that you were kind of set up even is that am i to understand that correctly or was that therapist still trying to continue to force you two together and, and that how did how did that work out or like how was that well, back in back when back when back when we got engaged and got married, everybody in the context in which we inhabited in a small religious town in Ohio thought that the situation was getting was getting fixed, and they thought everything was turning out the way it was supposed to. And at that time, neither one of us realized just how bad of an idea that was Mm -hmm. to try to have that kind of straight marriage. And uh, that's why I was saying, you know, it, you know, I I can get on and on about how unfair it was to me, but it was unfair to her as well. And I want to be on record as saying that. Mm -hmm. And the first year was horrible and everything kind of fell apart and even when, when all that happened, in my mind, what I, what I said to myself was, oh, my gosh, you know, the, the counselor I saw in, in middle school and in college, they were right, and I, I can't do this, and I can't be what she needs because I have a um, – because I, I – because I don't have a good enough relationship with my dad. Mm. So in 2005, we moved up by where my dad lived. And I was like, okay, I really need to do the right thing. And I really need to focus on my relationship with my dad and, um, and fix things that way. So 2005, my dad and I spent a lot of time together and reconnecting, and my dad and I ended up in therapy together to kind of get to the underlying root issue of why 
we didn't really have a good father-son relationship. And we were going to a therapist here in Boston for that. And we, we got through that and a little under a year of therapy and the, the answer we got to at that time was that we weren't having a good father and son relationship because I was really his daughter. Hey, who made that uh, rationalization? I mean, what, who came to that conclusion? Um, the therapist we went to after I explained through my feelings and my struggles with, with this entire issue. And my dad, after he, you know, talked about how he wanted me to do carpentry work and outside work and work on the sailboat and all this stuff that were kind of his expectations. And he was like, well, why, why doesn't, why doesn't my son want to spend time with me doing any of these things? And then me kind of going on about my feelings and the baby dolls and the little mermaid and my struggles with, with my parents and my, my feelings. And then, you know, I, I think it finally, like I was like in a safer space and, you know, I think, at, I think at one point, you know, it came, it came out of the box, and then it, it was really hard to put back in the box, but then, like, people kept trying even still. And, Did the captain you know, say you were transgender? Did he or they use those terms? Um, or transgender? Or at that you know, at that point... We started to go there, and my dad had, a ne- had initially had a negative reaction, and was like, "Okay, I, I can't take this." And then, um, and then the resolution of that was my dad continued working with with that counselor. That that was his, anyways. And I was looking for my my own therapist at that point, and also still trying to, to find a way to fix things and to make a, you know, to find a way to make things work out with, with Nicole and just kind of in a, um, well, well now what kind of situation. So I didn't, I didn't actually discover the words transgender and transsexual until 2006. And at that point I was poking around online and then I kind of found it. And, you know, I, I forget the site now, but I found this online quiz that I took that, that came through at the end and said, well, you're probably transsexual and you should talk to somebody about it. And then in early 2007, I went to some kind of... Um, conference with with people who are transitioned telling their stories and I was like okay I definitely think that is me Mm. and I reached out for some kind of like online supporting community and um, I 
the one that what was it called I'm gonna think of the name um At, at, at that time, I, I don't know if you've heard of Helen Boyd. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, I know her. Read yeah. both her books. Yeah. Okay, so, so at that time, I found the, the person I... And yes, 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 yes. That's right. Great That's the go-to uh, from the old spouse. days to what people read, right? That's the go-to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I found in 2007. Mm-hmm. And at, at that point in time... Helen and Betty were close to where we lived and I was part of their online group and met both of them on occasion, went to a couple of Helen's talks and um, took a class at school, not, not the, um, not the fundamentalist school. I took a class on, um, I took a psychology class on LGBTQ issues in 2007. And that's really what I kind of learned and, and finally like understood. So I, so that was at the end of 2007 and I went to my doctor and shared some of this with my primary care doctor and uh, this was in Boston and she um, gave me spironolactone the try and at the time I was on other medications that were potassium that had an effect on the potassium levels Mm. and the spironolactone didn't play well with my other medications. No, yeah. Do you have any bad episodes? That could be a bad combination. It was a bad combination. I remember I woke up one day and I felt like I couldn't breathe and my lungs were being crushed and I went to the hospital and they they took me off the spiro and they switched me to finasteride at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, that was all end of 2007, beginning of 2008. And I saw an endocrinologist and started on um, the estradiol pills, the the green ones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I was taking with finasteride. And then I was talking about how, this was later on in 2008, I was talking about how I wanted to go further with transition and my kind of like, you know, local doctor and like endocrinologist um, did not feel comfortable doing that themselves. So they gave me a referral to a place called Fenway Community Health Center. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that. In Boston. And I started going there in the summer of 2008. And so one of the agenda therapists. And at, at this at this point, I had done a lot of um, electrolysis on my own mm-hmm. that I guess didn't fully take care of the issue, but it, it had um, by, by, by this point, 
I'd, by, by, by this point, I was consistently presenting as female on a daily, regular basis. Were you still married at that point? I was still married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I was married to Nicole, and, and, we had, um, and we had a baby. We had a little girl. Oh, wow. Okay. At this point. And, um, and how is she, I... How is she with all of this? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, did, did you have her read El, Ellen Boyd's books? Yeah. Two books? Yeah. So she, she she was totally aware of all of this then while all of you were while you were going through all of this then. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, like you said, it wasn't fair to her. How did she respond to you? Like, I mean, obviously you're still going through this, you're still going through right. the relationship, you're still gonna have a child, you know, and you're having a child, and she's obviously been aware of this, like how far back into the relationship? Like, I mean, obviously you you were honest with her and told her, I'm assuming. Right. So what was her thought processes on this? That had to be a real different dynamic that you were also probably dealing with. Um, I mean, she's gone, you know, I, I, you know, I think, you know, I think she went through the five stages of grief and not necessarily, you know, in, in order back and forth and back and forth and all over. And, you know, they were, you know, they, you know, the, throughout this throughout this whole time period, she was going through her own process, and you know, at times, at times was able to be very supportive and understanding. Uh, you know, at times, she went to she went to the talk with Helen Boyd with me at one point, and wow. that's at uh, oh yeah, and at uh, yeah, that's a big step. And at one point, she was. Um, she and Helen talked about it some themselves with, without without me. Um, they they had some private conversations on on the issue, um, and then and then at, and then at other points in times we were totally fighting and yelling about it and um, you know kind of kind of really all over the place because it was just such an unfair situation for both people mm-hmm. and I mean you know there, there, you know, there, there were days when both of us probably handled things very well and days where both of us probably didn't handle things well at all right. and it, you know it was an emotional roller coaster and Lots of lots of really good things and lots of really bad things, kind of at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I had already changed my appearance then a lot. I um, just just in that first you know year or two with the electrolysis and the hormones. Mm-hmm. And went to Fenway and um, went through therapy. And then in the beginning, towards the beginning of 2009, I had an orchiectomy in Boston. And then at the end of 2009, I, um, I had the surgery. Mm. And obviously now, you, now you, you 
talked about detransitioning. Yeah. When when did that occur? Surely that occurred okay. before your surgery. Yeah, because right? that's where I was trying to put the pieces together, too. Was no. Like, you know, no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. The yeah. chronology, the chronology is, the, the chronology is weird. So, um, so the, the, the other thing is that, um, is that the, the, the other factor here is that in, um, is Nicole and I got married in Ohio and at a certain point, Ohio passed their own kind of superdoma that, um, when kind of all this hit the fan in 2009, going, you know, going back to the, the laws back then, federally and at the state level, um, we, we ended up in kind of a legislative limbo regarding the marriage because federally we were not seen as married. Why is that? Because when I changed my legal gender... We, oh, uh, sex marriage was illegal, which, yeah, okay. And then, and then Ohio had superdoma that, that had already had precedence with people who had transitioned where they refused to even acknowledge even the, the straight marriage because they didn't want to open a back door to something that resembled a gay marriage. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, so like, so like, let's say, let, let's say back when all this is going on, let's say like, let, let's say Nicole, I mean, she, she's not, but let's say she was bi or, you know, and totally, and totally fine with it completely. Um, let's say she had been, and we had gotten a straight marriage and then I transitioned and then we stayed married and went Ohio and were like, oh, well, now you have to recognize basically what, what is a gay marriage. Mm. And back, back then, they, they had precedent and they basically dealt with it by just refusing to acknowledge anything that could even be a backdoor to a gay marriage. So like one of the things that like I regret, I I have my, I have my share of regrets and I regret not handling certain things better when I was younger. I regret that one, one of the, one of the biggest regrets I have is I um, really wish that before serious aspects of transition. I wish Nicole and I had gotten a cordial divorce then. Mm. Not, I mean, not, not in the, um, not, not in the sense of, I really should have stuck it to her, but in the sense of in the long run, it would have been kinder and more compassionate for both of us. Right. Yeah, and that makes total sense. It would have saved, would have saved me and and her eventual heartache. Because mm-hmm. 
because then I, I kind of changed um, legally and then it kind of circulated around in limbo and I actually talked to a um, lawyer affiliated with GLAD back at this time and she was like, you know, well, you know, if Ohio isn't going to recognize your marriage and the federal government's not going to recognize it, then Massachusetts can't recognize it because Ohio isn't recognizing it. So basically, you're not married. And Could you have had it annulled at that point? Um, I, I don't know. We... Um, the, the the advice we got back when we were going through all this was basically that was basically to that 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 basically nobody was going to be able to legally honor it because of where we had gotten married. If we had gotten married in Mass or a different state, it would have been a different story. But because of Ohio and their laws, it basically we want we legally we, married we, in the state's eyes. Yeah. Well, we basically weren't legally married. So I think both of us looked at it as kind of like a, okay, well, this sucks, but I guess that's over and we go on with our lives and focus on trying to be friends, focus on trying to get along, focus on child raising and focus on other things. And so, so that was already one kind of curveball. That, that I regret and I wish I had um, handled differently but it is what it is and I had the surgery and then had a horrible um, outcome with complications Was that the Orkey or, or the GRS? The GRS The GRS, yeah That I had yeah, in 2009 the um, I went to Pennsylvania and I had I had surgery with Dr. Christine McGinn. Again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And stayed, you know, stayed in the hospital for a week on my back and stayed at a nearby motel and did my like two follow-ups and got the catheter out. And you know, I just I just have to say that is the worst. <laughs> oh, the ca- I agree with you. Yeah, oh, I, 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 had, I had the catheter in for a week after yeah. surgery. It was, oh gosh, yes. Oh my god, I wanted to rip that damn thing out at the oh, end. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, that. And I, oh my god. Yeah. So so obviously the two of us have gone through. Well, we've all gone through it. Um, Terry had a lovely bag tied to her leg that she had to use. Um, I, on the other hand, didn't have the bag, but I had the little valve. So if I had to go, I had to go to the bathroom. I would open up the valve. And the one thing that I always remember, which I don't think I will ever, <laughs> ever forget in a million years is, is that obviously the first time I used it, I was like, oh, great, wonderful. I'm getting this lovely relief. I'm peeing away. It ended and the air went back up the tube. Oh, my gosh. That was probably the most horrific feeling that I can ever remember with that stupid catheter. Yeah, I, I didn't so have it that. Was, I yeah, I uh, don't want to go down that path ever again. Yeah. Keep that did you, did you like McGinn? You know, I did, I did like McGinn. She's, she was very nice and compassionate to me. And <clears throat> I, um, you, know, you, you know, the thing is, is that in, in the hospital, I had morphine. 
And then, then I had all these painkillers and, you know, you know, strangely, you know, I, I was so terrified that the actual surgery was going to hurt so bad. And mostly there was numbness. Yeah. I had no pain. I really but, no yeah. pain. oh my gosh, when, when she, when, when it came time for the Catholic and the Catholic to come out, that was like extreme pain. Mm. With the catheter, that 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 is just just a whole catheter thing. Like, like I, I I look back on it and I'm like I like think about the surgery and like what they did, and I'm like okay that's okay that's okay. And then I'm like, but the catheter on my urethra, I'm like, oh god. Oh yeah, so that I, that was the worst pain. If I any pain I had, it was associated with the catheter. It was the catheter. It was the catheter. Yeah. Was the catheter. Yeah. That thing was pure evil. Oh yeah, tugging on it just. <laughs> Did you have any other complications? Um, so, yeah, so. Oh, boy. That's what gets fun. No, it gets really fun. Um, so, my first six weeks were, went basically according to schedule. And I thought I was, like, kind of, like, out of the water in the clear. And, um the thing that happened was I ended up with all of this granulation tissue that my body that's a a common complication in a lot like 95 percent have some granulation granulation. yeah yeah i had a lot of granulation tissue and i um the thing one, one other thing is that we all got the norovirus with terrible diarrhea at the beginning of 2010 yeah, and it got into the wound area and I got a skin infection and so the and so I saw my local doctor and they had to put me on antibiotics for the infection and then the antibiotic killed the bad bacteria, and it killed the good bacteria. Yeah. And that was one thing, Doctor McGinn. She was like, she was like, ah, when she found out about it, because she was like, that just killed the good bacteria that was helping your skin heal. So there was that. There was a granulation tissue. Then they um, were. Then they were trying to get rid of the granulation tissue with um, all the silver nitrate. Mm-hmm. And some of this, there was so much of it that at one point um, I had to have so many treatments that, that one of the things that was just going on is I couldn't go back to Dr. McGinn for everything. So the silver nitrate treatments were done locally. And at one point, some of that got into my urethral tissue and burned some of it off. Mm. And then my urethral closed up and I couldn't pee. Shit. And then I had to, and then then I couldn't pee. And then some of the urine backed up into my kidney and caused problems there. And I had to go see a doctor to get that kind of reopened up. And then, then, then I had to dilate the actual urethral opening. Oh, God. With, um... Oh, my. Jeez. 
and had to self catheterize. So sorry, God. That is got to be brutal. That's my gosh, awful. And that's another reason why I hate catheters. I think is that I had to self catheterize. Oh shit! And had to start with like the eights and like work my way up to like the fourteens, and slowly open that back up to pee normally. And then the um, so, somehow and all that the um, the the lower part of the labia fused together and kind of grew together. Or maybe that was like the infection, but just kind of like everything kind of like happened at once. And I was like, "Oh, this sucks." Yeah, this sucks. Hmm. I think sucks is an understatement. Yeah. And it's a horrible experience. So, you know, so then I, you know, you know, so then I was like, well, so like, you know, so, so like that is actually a good, um, clarifier, like, um, like, you know, like I don't regret the surgery itself. And like if, if if everything had like come out like like perfectly, I wouldn't have like post surgical regret. But yeah, I regret going through all of those things, and I regret the complications. And you know, I guess it's it's just like how my mind works. I'm like you know, well. Maybe I should have been better prepared or better planned or gone to Dr. again more often or, you know, I, I, I think of all these things, you know, like, well, I should have done this. What is should have could is. What yeah. 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 They'll eat you alive. They will. So. Oh boy. Uh, so sorry. Yeah. So that happened. And, you know, eventually I kind of got over that and healed up from that and um i've i've had one revision surgery to um kind of get these fatty deposits out of the urethral area and just kind of keep that open for peeing and then at a at at some point someday i need another like revision surgery on the um clitoral area and the um, fused labial area. Wow. So at yeah. some point I need to do that. Can you still dilate? You're still, yeah. Normal? Normal dilate? No. No? No. God. That is, that's brutal. I mean, obviously we all understand and realize that not everybody has a, a, a clean and good surgery. You know, no question about it. Um, so... How has that affected you? Obviously, I mean, this has been very uh, much a, a mental and emotional issue for you having to go and deal with all of this kind of stuff and everything. But as you find it today, um, are, are, you, are you still in any kind of pain or are you, uh, like even from an emotional perspective, have, have you been able to deal with that kind of stuff or how, how are you working through this? So, you know, honestly, I do have a lot of trauma and anxiety from the way it all turned out, you know, and I definitely can't um, just push through that. Um, 
you know, fit, you know, physically they've, you know, taken care of things so that like the actual like urinating mm-hmm. and the physical issue is like covered and like not a risk. There's the um, cosmetic and emotional issue right. to address. And, you know, part of that is, is also like, you know, like also like, you know, well, what's, what's, what's going to happen if I go back for a slight revision, which is not, you know, entirely rational because, you know, when you, when you think about what, what the force surgery is, you know, that took most of a day, you know, mm-hmm. a half an hour under to like separate some skin or something is not going to cause all that again but right emotionally it's like well shoot well yeah yeah there's still yeah, no, going no yeah. Yeah. yeah so is how, how positive has dr mcginn been in regards to this and and the revision potential revision surgery or that sort of thing um is she really trying to work with you in regards to this and trying to help you through yeah you know i think she's her. you know i i think she's been really positive and i i am happy with her um I'm, I, 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 you know, I don't, you know, you know, one thing that I, the, the one thing I'll say is that when I, um, when I, when I had the surgery, I was, was in a place where I was like, well, I need this to happen like right away. And I am going to literally get this done as soon as I can. Right. And the one, the one, the one problem I see is that she was in Pennsylvania and I was in Boston. And then after everything that happened with, with complications, the last thing I, I really could do was um, be transported all the way over to the Philadelphia area. Right. So like in my, you know, in my mental checklist of, okay, you know, there's not a next time, but if there was, I would, I, I would do it in such a way entirely locally mm-hmm. so that, so that whatever happens, the surgeon is like right there to deal with that. Right. So like that's so like that's one regret I have, and that that that's not saying anything bad about McGinn. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just that's just kind of because of of how I experienced it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I would have the the, the, the surgeon and you know like really close by because who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it, was there an exact reason why there were complications? Uh, did they ever pinpoint potentially what the cause was that created and caused the, 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 the complications? Well, multiple things. Um, is apparently um, skin down there when, when you um, operate on it, it like loses elasticity or it. Um, it's it, it's not if if my understanding is correct, it's not good to have multiple operations. Mm-hmm. So one thing I learned was that um, one thing I learned was that the fact that I had had that major surgery when I was a kid mm-hmm. um, actually 
on the made it scan on your foreskin on the foreskin made it made it led was was one factor that actually led to it um i already had had a traumatic experience as a kid with um the opening closing up and with them not being able to urinate and with um a weak or urethral tube mm-hmm. and so I had these um, urethral strictures going up my urethral, even inside, um, that, that was already an issue when I was a child. And so that got exacerbated as an adult. And urethral strictures suck. And that's just kind of how it is. Um, taking antibiotics when I did, killed off good bacteria. Right. There was a granulation tissue. The silver nitrate got in and burned some of the urethral tissue. Um, some of it just happened, and then, and then I, I got, and then I got depressed with the whole thing, and kind of started to give up on it, and then it just snowballed. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, um, you're always having to continually deal with this as you're moving forward um, in your life and that sort of thing, too. So, um, you know, from emotional context and that, obviously, are you are you able to continually work through this? Are you feeling how are you feeling about that when you're moving forward? You know, um, have you got good support around you in order to be able to, you know, get you through? Mostly, um, you know, at the, at the beginning, it, it was really difficult. And, you know, I, what, what, what ended up happening now, now, now we actually, now, now, now we're actually getting to the detransition part because after what surgery? happened? Mm-hmm. After surgery. Really? After. Wow. Okay. Okay. Because. Okay. Okay. Because you have to understand my background, and I, and after how things turned out, I was like, I, I went through this phase, and I was like, well, a lot of that internal religious stuff came back, and I was like, well, maybe this is all a punishment. Oh yeah, God, oh, God, yeah. God's wrath upon you, huh? Yeah, punishment for that, and, and that's yeah. when my, my brain went. Wow. Oh, yeah. and brought up religious yeah it's hard to you overcome all the programming to so that yeah been there been there so yeah so yeah. then i um right so then i actually um you know i actually um i i i attempted two 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 different times I attempted two different kinds of detransition. One was a more hardcore one. One was more soft. Um, I, um, you know, I, I never, you know, I, I never was going to go and try to have more surgery down there. I um, or reverse it. Or you reverse said that you, you can't reversing. do that. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah. No, I did. Um, I did go through a trial of um, of using testosterone oh. to see what that would feel like. 
And then, what did that feel like? Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what did like, that feel like? That's like throwing poison mm, back in the God. system. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it felt like. Um, Holy. It, I I had the patches, and it felt like it felt like fire was going into my skin, and my mood was like all over the place, and I was like so cranky and irritable that like. Um, that like everybody around me was like just stop, just stop already, and try with the different clothing and try kind of experimenting with that. And I was like, okay, that definitely makes me miserable and angry. And you know, if 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 anything, if anything, it, it made things worse. And um. I was, you know, kind of going through that whole time period and um, looking into it and, you know, and then also asking, you know, well, you know, there was a lot of pressure from church and family to detransition. Even, and, even at that point, even at that oh, point. Oh, even at that point, you know, and, you know, and, and, and also, you know, sometimes in a very, you know, um, conditional sense of, you know, well, you should be trying to reverse this or go back, you know, or else kind of approach. And I um, looked, you know, I, I looked into that and what I found is that basically people do not detransition. Once they've transitioned, it's really not a thing. Right. It doesn't really happen. So how it's, long it's did you go through this? Meal. Yeah. So how long did you go through this detransitioning process? So obviously you had the surgery, you got to this point. Uh, then you said to yourself, okay, you know, from a mental standpoint, you felt that you needed to detransition because of the rig- religious values that you had, as well mm-hmm. as social pressures, as well as the family pressures and all of that. How long but, did that... But, but, but your complications also and because the complications were involved in that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had had an excellent result, no complications. Do you yeah, know, and that you was that, have detransitioned. That's where I was going actually with that. Is because oh, I right. wanted to find out. You know, you had gone through this period. You know, and that that extent of that period. So how long was that period that you had gone through before then you started to finally realize and say, "Hold it, wait a minute." Even though there was complications with the surgery. You know, you did start to, as I call it, the poison uh, going back into the system. And obviously that didn't work. Um, you know, how long did you have to go through that before you started to realize finally that, no, this, this it, it, even from a mental capacity, you had to now be your true self again. And you knew full well that that was where you needed to be. Right. So, right. So I had, you know, I had surgery in 2009, 2010 kind of turned into the year from hell because of the complications and 2011 was kind of a, a, a roller coaster, and that's when I was like really dealing like with like the religious stuff a lot, and a lot of shame and beating myself up. And I was like, okay, maybe you know, maybe whatever. And so I I tried then. My my time period was really kind of at the end of 2011, and the first part of 2012. Um, seeing if I could 
see, seeing if seeing where that path kind of led and it led to a bad place and at the end of summer 2012 I spent about a month in a mental hospital oh, wow. because the whole attempt had just made everything worse and not better because you know it, it just it just made the whole thing worse because I was like you know you know I, I, I you know I was like I was like okay you know th- this sucks so bad with the complications I liked how my life was before and I'm like okay and then I like tried like I didn't, I didn't fully go down that path of detransition either I just kind of started it and it quickly realized that was not yeah, it wasn't an option. It quickly ended up in a mental hospital for a month because I had so much SI. Right. Right. So, you know, so then I was like, okay, you know, no, you know. And then, and then, and then in addition to that, then I was like, oh, crap. And I think, and I think doing that as a trial, um, made some of my facial hair come back. And I think it, um, you know, and I think I lost ground in other ways and I'm like, and I'm like, Oh crap. And so then I was like, okay, no, no, not, 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 not with that. And then, um, you know, and then, and then, you know, kind of like back through the path again and kind of like a more healthy and healing way through about 2012, 2013, and 2014. And then I um, changed my name to Destiny actually in August of 2014, mm-hmm. is when that happened. And, um, then had um, one revision surgery and then thought the issue was basically resolved and um, moving forward with that. And I, um, you know, looked into that and found in, in my own research and trying to talk to people, that detransition is not really a thing. Right. Now, pe- people attempt it, but as Nikki and I also found in doing our research for the first uh, part of this detransition topic, uh, that it just doesn't, rarely ever occurs. Yeah. It just rarely ever occurs. And, and when it does occur, it's a lot to do with some of the same issues that you've described, social, yeah. some complications from the religious. surgery, and, and very much strong social, family, religious uh, compulsion to right. do so. so. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you're at this point, so let me ask you, um, mm-hmm. where you're, where, how was the family integrated into this? So, like, I mean, obviously with Nicole... Um, you still have a child, mm-hmm. you're still having to go through all of this. How did that kind of connect with things? What was Nicole like 
um, during was this she time. she supportive? Yeah, was she supportive? How did that go? Well, you know, you know, we, we almost had gotten, you know, through the stages of grief and to the point of, like, radical acceptance and um, gotten to a, a, a closure point with things. We were okay, and then we, we actually got another curveball in 2015 because when they when gay marriage was legalized across the board that actually um, meant we were legally married and we had kind of been proceeding as though we were not and then we were and that was another curveball and then we kind of went through a short or a um, smaller version of the whole experience all over again, trying to figure out what to do. And I, um, you know, and, and, and there was a lot of um, wrestling and talking about, you know, whether or not we could, we could find some kind of compromise mm-hmm. um, because we had a kid together. And, um, you know, I mean... You know, some kind of like um, minimal compromise or androgynous thing, or or something that could work. And we tried a few different things, and it didn't it didn't it didn't work. And we went to marital counseling a couple of times, well, two different sessions. I mean, two different groups of sessions, and then just you know ended up realizing we just had to divorce finally and just go and, 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 and each of us fully embrace, you know, who we are and move forward in that direction. Right. So there, there wasn't any other, there wasn't any other thing to do. When really an option for y'all. Yeah. And, and it, it, it completely sucks yeah. that it's like that. Yeah, and it's heartbreaking and it's, it's, horrible and it was a setup and it's unfair and and those and those and that and that you know you know if if there's you know if there's anything that I've learned and there's anything that I can say in summary about any of this is that there really isn't any other choice and they'll there isn't any other thing that you can do except tra- except to transition and be yourself mm-hmm. and except that mm-hmm. usually the that works. It's, marriage, it's the only thing that works thing. and when, when you're looking at religious backgrounds or you're looking at a, a marriage that has to end or you're looking at family dynamics or you're looking at um, going through things that that might you know physically be painful there's there can be a lot of pain involved and the 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 transitioning path is not an easy painless path it's not a fun thing and it's not just you know a um a new thing it it can involve a lot of pain and there's no reason anybody 
would do that unless they had no choice. Yeah. Nobody mm. chooses this willy-nilly. And, yeah. you know, it's not just, you know, it, it, it's not just, you know, like, you know, I'll try this out. It's, it's, it's those, when that's the path you have, there's quite a bit of pain from the dysphoria itself to the whole dynamics and you don't get out of it and the more you kind of fight against it or put it off or try other things or or you don't accept it then you're just kind of suffering right and you know it's like that buddhist principle it's like you know you're not going to get out of the pain and how much suffering is involved is kind of up to you. Right. Right? Like, well. Of course, right. you know, and in being religious, you're supposed to suffer, right? Oh, yeah, and then that can come into it is. Being, being in the fire and, and made better metal because oh, yeah. of suffering. That's the whole Christian concept, you know, and it, it gets just goes so much beyond that when you're. And penance and mm-hmm. self-mortification and all, all this stuff and. And penance involved with that, and, and that yeah, yeah that's a whole other times I repented, repented, quote unquote. Yeah. How, how do you repent of being who you are? How, how do you do that? Yeah, that's it. I I don't even know how you could even approach it that way, really, to be honest. Oh, when you think it's a sin, you've been taught it's a sin. Yeah, believe but, it's a sin. That's the mm-hmm. only, that's the yeah. only recourse you have is. Is to repent, to, and God forgives you, and hopefully takes takes it away, or yeah. helps you to overcome it, or any, you know, been down that road. Yeah, you know exactly what Destiny's yeah. talking about. So yeah, oh yeah. Oh, go ahead. Well, just with the religious piece, I was just thinking, you know, that 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 so much of what I have seen in regards to the transition is people who have not yet really worked that out religiously. And found a way to reconcile that on some level. That it, um, that so much of it is coming from a religious point, and so much of it's coming, and, and some of, and so much of it is Walt Hale mm. having sock accounts and making it look like it's more of a thing than it is. But mm-hmm. right. I mean, so you kind of got to your story up to about 2015, 2016. So, you know, just give us kind of like an idea as to what's occurred now from yeah. 2016. Where, where are you at now? How at, are to the you? present. How, how are you? Where are you at? Where, where do you see, you know, yourself now? So now, I mean, Nicole and I divorced and she moved on. Um in a new relationship and so have I and I'm working towards fully embracing myself and um, and fully accepting that and kind of deconstructing the religious piece and moving on from it mm-hmm. and embracing who I am and surrounding myself in positive forming environments mm-hmm. and getting support I need and then looking at revision surgeries which at, at 
at some point, I, I don't even know what's involved in this particular piece of it, but at some point I'm going to have to decide whether or not to try to get revision surgery to have, um, to actually have enough depth for anything, um, because of how things turned out. So that's, that's a whole, that's a whole new word. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm not, um, but I, I learned my lesson with the attempts of detransitioning and both kind of, you know, various denials all along and both before and after and just it doesn't really work out, so. Right. Do you find that you're now starting to move into a more positive mindset? I mean, obviously, you've got so much going on still with the potential of the revision surgeries and everything. Maybe give us a little bit of an idea of what you do do to try to keep yourself in a positive, affirmative kind of a way and moving forward. I mean, obviously, your story is just amazing. I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I commend I no idea. you. I absolutely yeah. commend you. You are amazing. Very today. strong woman. I, 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 Very I, strong. Yeah, I am just so impressed. Amazing. Yeah. So well, how do you, what do you do? Like, what could you share with the audience that might be listening? Say, you know, you have gone through so much and yet you are still such here. a... Here. You're still here. You're still here. You're still pushing mm-hmm. forward. You're still doing everything like... You know, what can you share with us on that regard? Um, what I do is, well, I mean, I, I really try to take care of myself um, and have good affirming environments and, and therapists and friends and social groups and peer connections. And you, you know, you, you absolutely cannot walk any of this alone. And you need to share with other people your feelings. And I mean, you know, even even at the beginning of this, I was really nervous because I was thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be talking about this and this and that, and this is going to come up. And then I'm like, oh, this is just actually so wonderful to talk about it and kind of get it out there and and to kind of let it, let it go in a way. And... um you know, you, you have to know yourself and, you know, the, the, the time period I was happiest in my whole life was kind of between the two surgeries. And what, what I, what, what I mean by that is, is I had gotten rid of the testosterone and I had the estrogen and then I didn't have the trauma. And so it's kind of like taking that like positivity and mentality and trying to expand that to, to everything else and to to realize that that in cases like this um divorce can be a positive thing and it can be letting the other person go and find their own happiness and you know you just you take one day at a time and center yourself and stay in a positive location place and we reach out and ask for the help when you need it. You know, nobody can do this alone. And I, I also still have really bad days sometimes. 
that just happen. I think we all do, don't we? Mm. I mean, you know, I think that's kind of normal for any trans woman out there um, or trans person for that matter. I mean, obviously, we are going to have our ups and we're going to have our downs. There's no question. Um, I'm I'm curious, too, um, just on your child. Yeah. Um, How how is that? Um, Obviously, I mean, your child is how old now? Twelve. Okay, and how does how does how do they, um, you know, do you get that option and opportunity to be able to see them on a regular basis, or how is that? Yeah, yeah, she's she's pretty good with it, um, and you know, one one thing that I've realized is that I've given myself more of a hard time for it all than what she's actually experienced. Mm-hmm. She actually she is pretty accepting. Does she remember you as dad? Does she remember you as dad? You know, what she remembers, actually, is she actually remembers me attempting detransition and being totally crabby and cranky <laughs> and or just being like, can you please not do this? Oh, right. I think is actually what she would say. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I mean, I definitely have my share of bad days and you know in some days where I'm like well Aaron has to kind of you know snap me out of it because I'm just gonna like circulate back through everything again and again spiral down that nice little sinkhole mm-hmm. and my my brain will still do that and but So she's she's as a child she still loves you dearly. I mean, obviously. Yeah, she does. You know, and that that's got to be something that's of a true positive and comfort for you, knowing that at least your child still loves you. Um, and mm-hmm. how about Nicole? Yeah. And, she, and accepts you as you are. Yeah, and that's 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 fantastic. So obviously a big positive and a big boost for you in order to be able to move forward with that. Um, obviously, I mean, you're divorced now. Um, what is, is does Nicole still? You still obviously stay in touch because of of of, of your daughter. Um, does, how do, how does she respond to you now? This is it still. Is there connection? Is there some good positiveness there from a support perspective, or how does that work? Um, it's you know, I mean, there's the, there's a much longer story with, with the situation with her that I won't go into, but. You know, in, ter- in terms of, of support and all that, it's, you know, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there was, there's, you know, there's, there's, a level, there's a level in which she gets it and understands and is supportive. And then there's also a level of sense in which this whole thing has not been good for her. And so... It's it's uh, very much of a of a complicated situation. Right. But do you do you feel that um, she holds the church responsible for like because you had mentioned it was unfair, obviously, and mm-hmm. you were pushed into this and that? Does she hold the church responsible in regards to having the relationship put together and what she's had to go through for all of these years, or do you feel that she's maybe holding somebody else responsible or how, how does, how do you envision that? Does she hold a grudge? 
yeah, this, well, I wanted, I didn't want to quite say it that way. Yeah, okay. Well, no, in, in a way she, well, in a way she does. Is, you know. Yeah. In a way she does. And in a way, in a way, I don't think, I don't think the church gets blamed so much. More likely my parents, um, or maybe even the school to an extent, but mm-hmm. we're, we're kind of, we're, we're kind of on opposite ends religiously at this point. Cause, cause my my experiences and like my growth within the past several years has made me a lot less religious than I was, mm-hmm. and you know it, it, it kind of took it, it kind of took um, it kind of took a while for the other shoe to drop in that sense because. You know, initially I was like more like, you know, oh, okay, you know, well, okay, this is fine. And then, you know, as years have gone by, it's like, well, the religious component either needs to change a lot or go away. And, you know, those, that that's changed a lot. And then... Nicole has changed a lot as well, and we're just kind of at opposite ends with that topic. Right. Okay. No, and I mean, obviously, um, as many individuals like we are, we've all gone through (laughs) the loss of marriages, the loss of, you know, mates. Um, It's very, very difficult. You know, I think, if anything, this story of your, the story of yours is uh, a real eye-opener when it comes to, you know, as well as most of our stories, but, you know, yours in particular really shows this isn't a choice. You know, I mean, why would we ever put ourselves through this? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, and I mean, obviously other individuals go, oh, yeah, well, just conversion therapy, don't worry about it, and everything's going to be fine. You know, and mm-hmm. nobody, you know, nobody, pray it away, or you know, or pray it away, or whatever the case may be. And you know, obviously, um, your st- story has really hit home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're coming up to the top of the hour here pretty quick. Um, so, I just, oh wow, you know, yeah. and, and so obviously we've been going for a couple hours, which is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I think, um, I great think story, story, amazing I think your story, story yeah, amazing story. Um, I thank you so much mm-hmm. for coming on the show and sharing your story and being you are vulnerable such a brave like woman. that and sharing yeah. it with the community. Just yeah, you, you are huge. such a brave woman. Um, so I just I just want to say that, you know, um, again, too, obviously, like you say, you want support and all of that. Well, I think you just got a couple of other people that are going to be in that big support corner. And if you ever want okay. to get touch or talk or anything, you know we're here uh, and that and so we really want you to know that um again um, you know it, it it's an incredible story it's one of those ones that i think when people start to really sit down and listen to this podcast they're going to be blown away in so many different oh, ways oh yeah 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 so hopefully really i did okay you did, you did great I did, I did okay okay good i'm like yes yes you did you did great no you know destiny you know um getting a couple things like it's a beautiful choice to be ourselves you know um you know to share uh, your de-transition experience yeah what it's like and just how you came to that the Um, result of it and just to put it out there so people are aware Mm -hmm. 
of what it is and how people get to that point. Yeah. And I mean, the social pressures, the religious pressures. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, just to listen to your story, I think you've even enlightened me in ways to see how religion can be so predominant and you are brought up in such a certain belief structure that you know you it does so much more harm to us yeah and it is it's uh it it just hits it hits at home when you know the violence that we the worst violence we could create is the violence we create against ourselves Mm -hmm. that's true and Mm -hmm. we are our own worst enemy we are indeed one one thing I, I I will will quickly say is um is is when you go through transition and you have the surgery um any any surgery that where, where you no longer make your hormones and you need to take hormones for the rest of your life um you you will completely mess your body up in all kinds of ways. If you try to go off hormones or take less than what the doctor says to take or take testosterone or, or, or any of that, um, that's one thing I've learned the hard way is that like when, when you go through this, you're, you need that estrogen regimen for the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. all kinds of th- bad things will happen physically, psychologically, and emotionally if you don't. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought that point up because obviously I don't think, you know, in our community, there's a lot of things that we do talk about, but we don't talk about certain things. That's something that isn't talked about is the realization that you are going to be on hormones for the rest of your life. And the significant things that can occur to you if you come off of them. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't realize that, I don't think. You know, obviously, uh, there's always a lot of people that take take things for granted and stuff. But well, you don't ask any cis woman that goes through menopause. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Perfect example right there. I mean, you know, and that's going to be, uh, you know, something that really is driven home. So I, I do thank you mm-hmm. for, um, you know, sharing that. So we are coming up to not the to play around with. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, it's it's this is serious business. Mm-hmm. You know, oh God, uh, yes. You, you can't take this as a game or or that um, in any sense of the way. So um, as we are coming up to the top of the hour here, um, you know, uh, I, I'm going to say this once again. I think you've been a very brave individual uh, to get to where you are. Um, I commend you for sharing your story with us and with our audience. Um, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot of things from this one. Thank you for thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, it's been a been a been an awesome uh, Mm -hmm. awesome interview, and I'm going to put this out again too because, like we say, um, when we have exceptional guests like yourself, we would definitely like to have you back on the show at some Mm -hmm. point. Um, Okay. And, and maybe yeah. talk about some other things. Expound that, on anything that was some in of your it. story. Yeah, sure. Um, um, and glad that to hear be, it. Yeah. So, guys, uh, thank you so much for joining mm-hmm. us uh, today on Trans Talk Raw Live. Um, this is all going to be published up on our podcast platform as well. You can listen to us mm-hmm. on multiple platforms that are yep. out there. Be on the uh, Facebook page as well. Yep. On the Facebook page. And uh, if you do watch this, uh, do hashtag repli- uh, replay uh, just to let us know. Um, we will be monitoring the comments section as well if anybody has any questions. 
um, and we'll definitely uh, forward those to uh, Desti so she can give mm-hmm. some answers if anybody does have questions or interest in it. Um, outside of that, um, I just want to say, uh, you know, uh, have an amazing weekend um, and that too. Uh, Desti, all of the best to you. Thank you. Um, I know we'll definitely be in communication and contact, uh, you know, in the future here. So that's fantastic. Um, outside of that, everybody, uh, please give reviews and that if you uh, if you can. We do appreciate that. Uh, have yourself a uh, wonderful weekend and catch us again uh, on Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. We've got another podcast. And then uh, next Saturday. Next Saturday. Big we one. We will be uh, having the uh, beautiful Amanda Knox and her wife Zoe on the show. Um, we're going to be talking about her book because obviously it's just her one year anniversary coming up in the next couple of days with regards right. to the book. Wow. Um, it was published. And and so that's a, that's going to be a big one as well. So we hope that you can join us. We will be putting up the events uh, in regards to that too. Um, outside of that, everyone, have yourself a wonderful weekend. Uh, take care and we will talk to you again on Wednesday. Bye all. Bye everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw.